Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Well, g'day, my name's Josh and uh, I'm the senior pastor here in Grace Life. And if you're here, uh, perhaps you don't know who Jesus is at this point, perhaps, you know, you have felt like you've once walked with Jesus, but now you don't. Maybe you've stumbled across the service today. Maybe your friends brought you. Maybe it's one of your New Year's resolutions. Our prayer is that in some way you get to encounter the reality and the, and the beauty of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, because of Jesus. And no matter where you are in your walk of faith, or perhaps you think it's a lack of faith, you need to know something. He is for you. He loves you, and He's closer than you realize. We're talking about fasting and praying, and we're kicking that off tomorrow. And this is a really important thing for us as believers. This isn't just an Old Testament thing, it's a New Testament thing as well. This really is an act of worship. It's not about twisting God's arm. It's not about trying to get His attention. You already have His attention. He loves you. In Jesus, there is no condemnation. In Jesus, He loves you just as much now as He ever will. There's nothing you can do to add His love to you, to increase that. And in the same way, if you're in Jesus, there's nothing you can do that uh, can cause Him to love you any less. You're one of His kids. Isn't that good news? And because of that reality, we get to worship with things like fasting and praying. That is going without, not just as some act of meaningless discipline or sacrifice, we are going without as an offering. We are offering our hunger to God as worship. We're saying, God, I love you and you are my source of strength. You are the one that I worship. You are my, uh, you are the lover of my soul and I'm so grateful to you. And I want to talk uh, for the next bit of time about a woman named Hannah. And Hannah had an experience in her life where she was in great need and a real situation uh, that was dire for her and she came to God and she pleaded with God and God granted her the cries of her heart. So if you will, why don't you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1 please and we're going to read together 1 Samuel chapter 1. once you've got it, just tell the person next to you, I'm there already. Are you? Are you there yet? Are you there yet? We'll have it on the screens. So before we start reading, just to give you some context here, um, the book of um, Samuel, uh, we can read about the life of Samuel who was a prophet, and this was before he was born. Samuel being a prophet, we know, was instrumental in the transition between Saul and David. Before Saul, excuse me, before Samuel was appointed as prophet, there was a deep cry from his mother, Hannah. Hannah was one of two wives to a man named Elkanah, Elkanah uh, from uh, the Levites, 
And uh, Elkanah had, um, he'd have a bit to handle, I'd imagine, with two wives. Any husbands pick up what I'm putting down there? Why would you want more than one? And there were two wives here. One wife named uh, Peninnah had children, and Hannah had not had any children. And uh, it says in verse 3, Now this man, Elkanah, used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. Verse 4, On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. It's important for us to know, I mean, God's ideal is for a man to be united with one woman. Back in this day and age, we we know that Elkanah would have had some wealth as well, because to have more than one wife, you had to be able to look after her. And also at the time, if... Uh, if someone had died, if a woman's husband had died, sometimes she would be adopted into a family and a man would then inherit, so to speak, a second wife. So that could very well have been the case here with Peninnah and Hannah both being betrothed to Elkanah. So Elkanah is on his way, as he would, to worship God um, and Hannah would be the one that got a double portion, though he didn't have she didn't have any children. A double portion. Anyone know what Hannah means? Means grace or favoured one. Interesting that her name was grace or favoured one, but she had no children. Also to understand the context of the day that for a woman back in that day, it was part of your value, your inherent worth to be able to have children. So Hannah in herself probably didn't feel too accomplished as a woman or much of a woman because she could not have any children. She probably felt less of a woman also because her sister wife here would provoke her. It says in verse 6, her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. We read that again, the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? Why is your heart so sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? (laughs) Can you imagine the look on Hannah's face? When her husband says, am I not worth more than ten sons? You? This is such an interesting story because Hannah was devoted to God. Her name was Grace. Her name was Favor. She didn't have children. But we read a couple of times there that the Lord had closed her womb. How favored is that? How gracious is that? For those that are taking notes, I want you to write this down. Find purpose in your pain. Find purpose in your pain. There is always, always an opportunity to find purpose in the pain that you experience. Remember, Hannah was a troubled person. We're going to read on how troubled she was deep within her. She was in deep sorrow. 
But there was something in her that decided, I am going to see God. I'm going to purpose to see God as sovereign. I am going to purpose to see God as mighty and powerful. I am going to purpose to see God in a way that I can be grateful to Him, that He would hear me and possibly even grant me the desires of my heart. She didn't sit and wallow in her pity. She didn't stay there in the chair of despair. What do we normally do when things are up against us? We have a whinge fest, don't we? That's our flesh. We, 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 we often complain in the midst of our pain. And that's natural. But it's also important to understand that sometimes there are things that are beyond your control that is just going to happen. This was outside of Hannah's control. The Bible says that the Lord had closed her womb. She didn't do anything to deserve this. Perhaps you're here and you're in a bit of a mess because you put yourself there. Maybe you're here and you didn't put yourself there. But do you know, it is so important for us to see, Lord, how can I repurpose this pain to see you do something great? This isn't about trying to find the purpose of the pain, but purpose with the pain. Maybe you're here and you've uh, got a physical disability. Maybe it's not your fault. Maybe something happened growing up. Mum, dad, uncle, auntie. And it's not your fault. And you're here as a result of that. Perhaps there's some relational complexities that you're the victim of. And perhaps it's not your fault. But there's some pain that you're experiencing today. Maybe it's a financial disaster. Decisions that other people have made. And you're here experiencing pain as a result of that. But... It's important for us to not just sit in a place where we complain about our pain, but work with Holy Spirit to repurpose that pain. Because the worst kind of pain is pointless pain. And misunderstood pains. See, if we work with Holy Spirit to say, Lord, I'm in a bit of a mess right now, but I want to work with you. I want, to, I want to find you, Lord, what can you, what can you do with this? Are you going to reveal something? Is that part of the purpose? Are you going to tell me about myself? Are you going to show me about you? Are you going to help? Maybe this purpose is about transformation. Pain has a wonderful way of transforming us when we work with the Holy Spirit. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste it. In Hannah's case, she was knee deep in it, but she stayed on her knees and she went to God. I remember, uh, can I show the picture please uh, of, of uh, Pastor Phil Baker? How many people have met this guy before? That's Phil Baker. I had a conversation with Phil um, a few years back. He was the pastor of Riverview for those that don't know. And he suffered um, a, a, a severe brain aneurysm when he was overseas in Bali. And he had to hand over the church. He had some severe brain damage. He, he can't talk quite the same anymore, and, which was interesting. He was very clear and strong, articulate communicator. Very good. But he couldn't do that anymore. Even when I went out for a cup of uh, coffee with him, I had coffee, he had a cup of tea. It was, it was hard for him to compute, to think, getting the teacup, 
putting my hand to the because his brain wasn't working quite the same. When I was driving him home, one time to drop him off, I said, hey, Phil, do you think you'll ever get to the point where in the midst of this situation that you can actually thank God? And when you're talking to someone like that, it's quite a, quite a question to ask someone. And he said, straight, he thought about it, he says, I'm, I'm already there. I said, you are? He says, yeah. I'm in a place where I'm closer to God and I thank Him for the situation that I'm in right now. He made a determination in his heart to not get bitter with God, but to have a better relationship with God. Perhaps you're here today, you're starting a new year and maybe 2020 has not been good for you. You can make a decision to not be bitter, but be better. I wonder if what you've experienced or what you are experiencing, or perhaps for some of you it's what you will experience, make an intentional decision to repurpose the pain that you experience to work with the Spirit of God. Because I'm here to give you a bit of a newsflash. Suffering will come in life. Jesus promises this. I was talking to a Christian the other day. He's been Christian for decades. And he says, Josh, you know, I want to tell you something. That when you... um, When you're doing well with God and God's on your side, you dominate in all areas of life and everything's great. Be it at home, be it with money, be it the business, whatever, everything's great. I said, well, I don't know if I agree with all of that. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what do we do with the whole suffering thing where we are likened to Christ? What about the cross? What about Paul? What do we say about Paul? Was he dominating in life or not? What about all of the disciples? I mean... When we talk about sin, that's a different thing. We want mastery over sin, that when we're close with Christ, we have mastery over sin. But I'm here to tell you, folks, that as you walk closely with Jesus, things are going to happen. Sometimes within your control and sometimes outside of your control. Make an intentional decision to work with God. To say, God, what are you doing? God, what are you saying? God, what do you want to show me? Sometimes it's just to just chill out and enjoy some peace and quiet with Him. Sometimes it'll be to make a lot of noise, but it'll be different. So don't be too prescriptive with God on that. Repurpose your pain. The second thing, let provocation drive you to petition. We heard about this um, experience with Hannah. She's on the way to church, and Peninnah is harassing her. On the way to church. Have you ever been on the way to church and someone's provoking you? Don't look at your partner. Let's read on. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. Verse 10, she was deeply distressed. And she prayed to the Lord and she wept bitterly and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch 
his hair. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being a drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my, watch this, great anxiety and my vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad, which is a good thing. Think about this amazing woman, Hannah, this woman of grace. Right here we see the depth of character of this amazing woman. She was struggling to have children. She's already having issues of a sense of worth. Things had happened to her, beyond her control. She's being provoked. She's being frustrated. She's being harassed. And what does she do? She doesn't retaliate. She doesn't go back. I tell you what, I don't know how many women here, but if you've been harassed like that by another woman, what would you do? As a bloke, you know, I'm a Christian and all that, but I'll be asking for forgiveness in a little while after I said hello. This matter going to be concluded. So, here Hannah takes her issue to the closet and she prays she takes that provocation she takes that frustration why because she she knew that her dilemma could enhance her devotion and she actually did that she moved in her heart to prayer and petition and look at how she prayed look at how she prayed she knew she was vexed we read this word vexation she was she was weeping this was deep within her. This, this, this was extraordinarily anxiousness within her. But she took it to God. She didn't move out in flesh, but faith. How often when we're struggling do we want to flesh out? How do you flesh out when you don't get your way? When you're doing all that you can do, what do you do when it doesn't go your way? You get a good idea for what gives you comfort when you're faced with tribulation. When you're faced with tribulation or opposition, what do you do? Do you move to sin and transgression or to God? Maybe for you, you you might, you know, you're having a hard time and you're frustrated, you're feeling it and you move toward the bottle. Maybe it's an old habit, smoking cigarettes, drugs, I don't know. What is it that you go to? What is it that is not helpful to you, but in your flesh, you feel like you need something to give you comfort? Is it slandering other people? Maybe your issue is with the tongue and you can't hold your tongue. You you need to flesh out somehow. Maybe it's violence. That's how you cope. Maybe it's not so obvious like violence. Maybe Maybe it's the fridge. Maybe you just eat and eat and eat. And you don't, care of your, you don't care much for your body because that's how you flesh out. That's, that's called gluttony. 
or greed. Maybe you just be greedy. Maybe you become selfish. No, what's my time to shine? This is about me. This stuff's happened to me, and now I am going to make excuses to sin. Happy New Year. Maybe it's the internet. We've got kids in the room, so. I'm going to go on the internet. That's, that's, that's my sense of comfort. What is it for you? Let's learn from someone like Hannah. She took it to God. Even in her place of desperation, she didn't move to transgression. She moved to petition. She didn't make excuses for why she could give Penanara good, the fivefold ministry. In fact, here in God's sovereignty, in God's sovereignty, in His providence, God used what Penina was doing to Hannah to drive Hannah to Him. Isn't that interesting? That you will have Peninas in and around you. That there will be people that will provoke you. There will be people that point the finger at you. Maybe it's not flesh and blood. Maybe it's a voice that you hear sometimes. Sometimes, perhaps, you might be penitent to yourself. And you're saying things to yourself to hijack your sense of peace. Well, make a decision right there. Work with Holy Spirit and go to God. Talk to God. Don't ignore Him. Go to him. He can handle it. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. This week as we start off this year, go to God. Don't just do the stuff. Oh, I'm going to abstain from food. I'm going to abstain from social media. I'm going to, whatever it is, abstain from chocolate, wine, whatever rocks your socks. Don't just, it's, it's not a lesson in abstinence. Go to God. There's no point in just sacrificing if there's no Jesus. Otherwise, you're just worshiping yourself. If there's no Jesus, it's a waste. Go to God. So we see from Hannah that um, she found purpose in the pain. She allowed the provocation to move her to petition. But the third and final point is that she declared praise before she received the promise. Let's read. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. And then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. Verse 20. And in due time. It doesn't even say the next day. It says in due time. In due time. Has God ever given you a promise? And it feels like he's taking his own sweet time. But you, you, want, you want the promise in five minutes. You can't wait two days. Well, in due time. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called him Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Let's go back a second. In verse 18, it says, Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. That was after she got the word. After she got the word from Eli, she, oh, that's all she needed. She just needed a word. That was it. And at that point, before she conceived, she was happy. She started eating again. And then she worshipped before she conceived. 
See, if we try to limit our praise to God based on when we think he's worth it, let's give him praise before we receive the promise. He's given a promise. He's given a word. Hold on to it and give him thanks for it. Even in the midst of that due time. Because in the appropriate season, in the due season, we will reap. If we do not give up, it says in Galatians. Don't give up. Hold on to that word. And let me tell you something, folks. Just because you cannot see the fruit of the promise does not mean that your faith is not working in the process. Keep believing, keep holding, keep fighting and contending in the Spirit. Keep giving praise and thanksgiving and honor and worship, even though you have not yet seen or realized the promise. It might take you years, it might take you decades. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe you've been given a death wish. You've been spoken something over you. Maybe there's something deep within you that you're holding on to. But you know that you know that you know that God has given a promise. He's given you a word. Perhaps it's a scripture verse. Perhaps it's a line in a worship song. I don't know. Perhaps a friend or a pastor has given you a word and you are struggling to reconcile. You are struggling to marry. This This is what I know to be true. But this is what I'm feeling. I don't see it. And Sing that song over yourself. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. You declare that over yourself. There's a, there's a family in our Malaga congregation. They couldn't be here this morning. I was talking to, um, to uh, the mother just this morning. Her name's Joy Bunton. And Joy... Years ago, when she just started coming to the church, she just got married to Jay and through a, a, a very difficult upbringing from her earlier life, she was, receiving, she was having pain and she'd been getting treatment for that pain. She found out and was told a number of times that she would not be able to conceive, essentially because there was no lining in her uterus. There was, it was an impossibility. But you know, joy still had joy. Joy still gave thanks. Joy still had gratitude. And you know what joy just wanted? Joy just wanted a believer or two to stand with her and pray. Remember that, Alison? And that's all we did. With her, and we thanked God. We thanked Him and we praised Him Though she had felt she had received a promise that was yet realized, we still praised with her in the midst of it. Four months ago, she gave birth to her third child, Mia. Three kids. See, we have an opportunity to stay only in the natural. You, you, you can dwell in the natural if you want and stay there, but there's a, there's a higher reality. There is a higher reality, and more importantly, there's a higher authority. We have a God who hears. Do you know she called her first son Samuel, which means God hears. Samuel comes from the word Shamuel. God hears. So may your petition be aimed at God 
and his faithfulness. And don't get stuck in the rut. This whole story with Hannah and Elkanah and Peninnah can give us some sort of picture about God and the Jews and the Gentiles. It's really quite interesting. And in fact, in Isaiah chapter 54, we read, God says, Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. How many believers are there? Gentile believers. That's us. How many are there throughout the whole earth right now? This is a picture of God and us. We are the favored. We are the graced. Don't just sit in the cellar of despair. Sing. Be joyful. Give thanks. And let your petition with thanksgiving be made known to God. We can read later on in chapter 2 that she has more kids. Hannah had three other sons and two daughters. She ended up having six kids. Can you imagine if she didn't take that provocation to petition? Can you imagine if she didn't give God the thanks and she stayed in that place of despair? Can you imagine? She would have missed out. Samuel was so incredibly used by God for the nation of Israel. He had heard Hannah's prayer that came from anxiety, that came from strain, that came from trauma. She channeled that to God. God used all of that. He is sovereign in all of that. No matter what your situation is, He can use all of that for His glory. And who knows what He's going to do with it. We intentionally set aside the first week of the year because we believe that God deserves our first and our best. Notice what Hannah did. Before he was even born, she gave her son to God. Before Samuel was born, she says, Hey God, give me this son and I'll tell you what, he's yours. And what's good news is she actually upheld. She upheld that promise. You can read later on in chapter 1. She didn't say, oh, I'm going to do a sneaky, sneaky bait and switch. You gave me a son. Okay, no, I'm going to do my own thing now. Because she followed through and she was faithful with her commitment to God, what did God do? He remembered her. He observed what was going on. And in chapter 2, we read, more kids to come. See, when we give God our first and our best, He will bless the rest. That's how it works. We don't know what 2021 might hold, but I'm here to tell you, folks, give Him your first and your best. Not just with your words, with your deeds, with your finances, with your time, whatever it is. Give Him your first. Don't give Him your least and your last and your leftovers. Give Him your first fruits. That's, that's why I love joining in with family to honor God in fasting and prayer at the beginning of the year. Beginning of 2020, 
I felt God say something to me and to our church about being aware of his holiness. Remember that? Revelation chapter 4, the holiness of God. Look to the holiness of God. And then 2020 happens. I can see now that he has shown me so much about his holiness this year across the whole earth. Think about what the church has learned and experienced through this. We cannot put God in a box. God is up there and he knows what's going on. Nothing is a surprise to him. He is so different. He is so distinct. And he is so holy. And I've just got to look to him and say, thank you for being you. So one year on, when I look back and go, 2020, oh, even what I thought holiness would look like, Lord, you've been holy in that revelation of holiness. I, I couldn't have pictured that. So now, with 2020, in a sense, behind us, we can now start to zero to one with open eyes going, I'll tell you what, I don't know what's going to happen this year, but Jesus is on the throne and it's going to be all right. So whatever happens, give it to him. Consecrate, dedicate, give it to him and let him see what he can do. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.